0: Welcome back to the play on podcast i'm your host josh stavros today we will be chatting with brian vaughn artistic director of the utah shakespeare festival and the director of this season's production of shakespeare in love brian has performed for the festival in over 52 roles in 22 seasons including title roles in hamlet henry v Cyrano de bergerac and many many more he's performed with the milwaukee repertory theater arizona theater company chicago shakespeare theater among many others Brian Vaughn, thank you for joining us on the Play On Podcast. My pleasure. Glad to be here. Thank uh, you. We're excited to talk today about Shakespeare in Love, uh, which, of course, you directed. And before we do that, though, we are in the unique position of having not only the director of the production, but the artistic director of the theater with us. And so regarding Shakespeare in Love, I'd love to hear a little bit more about how this script came to the Utah Shakespeare Festival, sort of your the process of you seeing it or somewhere else or connecting with Disney Theatrical. How did, how did the Shakespeare Festival get lucky enough or uh, utilize your uh, in- network enough to get this production? Sure, yeah. Um, well, I was on a development trip uh,
1: that we take here at the festival, which is uh, a yearly event where Fred Adams will take members of... of you know f- patrons and donors on, on an excursion for two weeks, you know, at a time, usually during March or April. And um, and it's a, a friend building, sure, uh, you know, um, donor tour, development tour. And um, we, this particular tour was to Scotland and to London and to, um, you know, go to Stratford and so forth. And I actually saw Shakespeare in Love on the West End. Actually, jump forward a little bit Um, when we were doing a production of Peter and the Star Catcher here in uh, 2013 Mm -hmm. we did a production of that play which is uh, developed by Disney Theatrical and Tom Schumacher, who's the president of Disney Theatrical, came out to see Peter and the Starcatcher because it was a regional premiere, the first regional production after the Broadway production. And while I was giving him a tour of the grounds, they saw the Adams Memorial Theater, and he said, oh, my gosh, this is an amazing venue, and um, you guys should look at Shakespeare in Love. And I was like, Shakespeare in Love? I didn't know it was being made into a, a play. And uh, sure enough, you know that was the, sort of the first... Um, landmine that happened in my brain about the project. And then, flash forward, we then saw the play on the West End that, that Disney was developing um, uh, for the London production. And immediately when I saw it on the West End, I knew that we had to do it because it was everything about our festival, you know. Um, and it... it uh, Obviously, it's an adaptation of the movie, the screenplay, and um, but it's also extremely theatrical and also has all these great little Easter eggs and wonderful things about Shakespeare and the time period that I knew our audience would really, really embrace and really enjoy. So um, I kept talking to the folks at Disney about, you know, trying to obtain the rights for the production, and they were trying to get a, a, a Broadway production of, of the play for it to transfer from the West End. Wow. <gasps> It's sort of, I'm I'm not sure, it it just hasn't happened yet, basically. Um, The North American premiere was at Stratford, at the Stratford Festival in in Canada. And then they released the rights to three regional companies in the United States. um, Oregon Shakespeare Festival, the Chicago Shakespeare Theatre, and the Utah Shakespeare Festival. So we were one of three that sort of obtained the the regional premiere Mm -hmm. of, of this play. Well, when we obtained the rights, we knew right away that, you know, what we knew that could set us apart from these other productions is that we could put this production outside in a venue that is synonymous with what the play really is, is the creating of a Shakespeare play. Um, and in a venue that's reminiscent of the rose or the curtain or the globe. And also that we have a unique opportunity because we are a true rotating repertoire theater, that we could put this play opposite Romeo and Juliet and we could have shared members of the cast and our audience could see an origin story about the writing of Shakespeare and, uh, and writing of Romeo and Juliet specifically and then the very next night they could actually see Romeo and Juliet. Um, so that just looked like a great opportunity and, um, you know, it's been really fun to work on. It's a great little valentine to theater and to, um, to Elizabethan theater specifically and it's been extremely rewarding. And I, I, I think audiences really like also being able to see this sort of fictitious, you know, idea about Will Shakespeare, and then the very next night see R&J and, and the depth and the um, the poetry that exists in Juliet and Romeo and um, how this potential love affair might have played out
0: and how that was formed into what we know as one of the greatest tragedies of all time. Excellent. Um, so, you mentioned that this is, uh, you know, an adaptation of the Academy Award-winning film version of the, of the same name, Shakespeare in Love. As a director, did the did the did the existence of the film change your approach? Did you feel did you feel obligated to reference it? Did you feel more interested in breaking completely free from it? What was your process as far as Referencing the film and the creating this unique stage play, as you say, it it takes place in the, the, the plays in the theater. It's not moving around. You don't have the benefits of a, yeah. a film. What what? Well, it... that I mean,
1: that was the, the tricky thing about it. First off, I loved the film when I saw it the first time it was came out in the in the '90s, and uh, I loved it. I was kind of a theater geek at the time, and. Um, it changed my perception of who William Shakespeare could be, you know. I, I was used to looking at him in the cover of My Complete Works and with a receding hairline and a big old ruff and kind of a weird-looking guy. <laughs> and that movie was uh, really wonderful because it was like, oh, no, he could have been a leading man and, um, you know, a, a young a sort of a, a passionate, obsessed playwright who's trying to crack a new form. And that really spoke to me in, in the movie. So the idea of it being a stage play, I thought, was just a really unique. And they've done a good job in the screenplay. Um, Mark Norman and Tom Stoppard wrote the screenplay. And it's adapted for the stage by Lee Hall. And Lee Hall's written some plays, um, The Pittman Painters. He's also um, known for um, adapting Billy Elliot mm-hmm. to the stage. Um, and, of course, the Shakespeare love. So there's an understanding of theater. There are some new scenes in the play that aren't in the movie. That I also think was really smart on 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 Lee Hall's part, and sort of threading in the Marlowe character, um, the Christopher Marlowe relationship in this play is a little bit more pronounced than in the movie. The movie um, Marlowe is sort of an elusive kind of guy who Will Shakespeare sort of meets periodically, but in this you really get a sense of their friendship and the camaraderie that existed between these authors at the time and both of their striving to create a new form and to write plays of significance and meaning. And this was a huge change for Shakespeare at the time, you know, writing something more than um, sort of a graphic tragedy, you know, and the Titus Andronicus had been previous to this time. And obviously the comedies that they they mention in the play, Two Gentlemen of Verona, um, you know, are they're not really viewed as, like, the greatest comedies of all time. You know, they're a little bit clunky, they're a little bit um, disjointed, and there are things like a dog and stuff like that that they, they poke fun of in this play. But that blend of sort of comic tragedy coexisting together in a new form was really being woven here at this time, and I think they've done a really good job in that in this play of seeing Shakespeare try to write something with purpose and meaning, and that is more significant than just sort of a fluff, you know. Um, and it also, you know, uh, Romeo and Juliet sparked a, new, uh, a whole new thread for his writing. And, you know, that followed with Twelfth Night and Hamlet and Julius Caesar and Henry V and all these plays, which we view as some of the you know, greatest um, plays in literature. This play sort of really shows Will, I think, at a a turning point both in who he is as well as how he
0: thinks about the form. And I I really like that in the adaptation. Let's carry on with that. Talk to us about uh, working with uh, Quinn Matfeld, the actor playing Will, to create, as you, you know, I like the way you said it, this sort of young leading man. I, in my mind, I thought of him sort of—he's just sort of a working stiff. That there's, you know, and t- when you take him off the cover of that book and you plop him in this story, he's just a guy trying to make a living, live his life in London. How did you and Quinn work together to create this version of that character? Well, I knew that I wanted Quinn
1: uh, from the beginning uh, because Quinn is a master of comedy, and he also has a tremendous vessel uh, uh, and soul to him. He's—he's he's a very passionate individual and he's very intelligent and i thought that all of that really embodied who will shakespeare was to me Mm -hmm. that i think is formed in the plays you know of he he's also a bit of a rake (laughs) and um and kind of a leading man and 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 a comic as well as this guy who has this just really really passionate heart and um I knew that Quinn could possess some of that stuff. And so I was very interested in, in putting Quinn in the play, and I, I've loved working on it with him. And then, of course, the opportunity for he and his wife, Betsy, to play Viola, um, who is the muse for Shakespeare in the, in the piece, was a no-brainer. Mm-hmm. And I, Betsy is tremendous, and she really captures everything about Viola that I love. I mean, The play is really about Viola. Um, and how she becomes sort of an archetype for all of Shakespeare's heroines. And um, it's easy to fall in love with Betsy in that regard because there's just a recklessness about her and a, an abandoned uh, quality to her where it's just, she's just living so in the moment. And, um, you know, Viola is a character who is impacting change in their, their world around them. And she's also another sort of form of the queen, a very powerful woman in a male-dominated society who's driven by her own ideals and um, and passion. And I thought Betsy really captured that, as well as she also has this spirit about her that is um, kind of tough, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, Which also, I think, is Viola, who disguises herself as a boy, and she risks everything in her life to to do this thing to to follow her heart which is being in the theater and um, it, it's really great and the you know obviously there's this tremendous built-in chemistry between the two of them also which you just can't get with people that they just met each other on the first day <laughs> <So, laughs> rehearsal you know you can sometimes get there but You know, it was just so built in with the two of them, and um, it really resonates throughout. I I also want to mention, sort of in answer to your question previous about the sort of theatricality of the Uh piece, and that is the trick of of doing the play um, because it's not a screenplay, and and how you how you answer those questions theatrically that you can easily solve in a movie became kind of the big hurdle. You know, how you jump from one scene to another so quickly. Betsy changes clothes uh, like 13 times in the play where she goes from a woman to a man (laughs) to a woman to a man. And that's sort of only the stuff you can do in the theater in in many ways. But you got to solve how you do it. And um, so it's just clever costuming and, and, you know, really utilizing the ensemble to the fullest. That's the other thing I really love about it is it's truly an ensemble piece. There's so many vibrant characters in the piece, and they all have their own moments in the sun – um, Ned Allen who was a leading actor who plays Mercutio in the piece and Burbage and um, Henslow uh, Fenniman I mean they're, they're all and of course the Queen herself they're, they're these great little theater moments that all of them
0: have uh, they step up at the bat and get to swing um, which is great as you're sitting here talking about this it got me thinking you've <clears throat> you've directed a number of productions you've, <clears throat> you've directed a number of productions and you've acted in. Many, especially on our outdoor stage. Did you find yourself with this ensemble, with this cast of characters, creating this Shakespeare world? Did you find yourself sort of waxing nostalgic at all for your own ensemble experience, whether at the festival, whether at Milwaukee Rep? Like thinking about, I just thought about like you in the early 90s or you in the mid 90s and just the wild and crazy adventures. At working at a theater com- like just, yeah. just being in a summer ensemble. Oh, like, absolutely. Did that f- play yes. into this at all for you?
1: Very much so. I mean, the, the play is that. It really captures that sense of people coming together to create art, you know, and they come from all walks of life to do it. And in this play, you see the author, the producer, the leading actor, the nobleman, the, the you know, the, the bartender. Um, <laughs> these people who are all just driven to sort of want to be an actor and And that sort of comes together oftentimes, especially in summer companies where it's a bit like summer camp, you know, and you you have 17 weeks and you travel to Cedar City, Utah, and you live in apartments and you hang out all the time, but you get to do this thing that you love and and pour your heart and soul into the work and yes i I am often reminded of that you know i spent a lot of time here obviously my my formidable years at the (laughs) shakespeare festival starting in the green show and then you know um as a journeyman actor and i would watch these leading men you know and these leading actors and these leading women and, and just be really drawn to what was working for them that i could try to instill in my own work and the same thing when i was at the milwaukee repertory theater i was a resident company member there and Joe Reddy, who was the artistic director at the time, really was about this idea of ensemble. And um, you know, you getting one great leading role in the season, and then the other shows in the season, you're playing supporting parts, and you're supporting those around you. So that, that's really built into the fabric of who I am as an artist, I think, in many ways. Um, and I know that it has been here at the festival um, with Kathleen Conlon, who was the casting director here, and J.R. Sullivan when I first came on board. It was very much that. You're going to play this leading role, and then you're going to play this supporting role, and then you may even play this very small, uh-huh. supernumerary role. That's what it was about, man. Uh, great. I get my chance in the sun, and then I get to support others at, for their chance in the sun. And, um, yeah, I think about it all the time. <laughs> you know, it's um, it's also what's great. You know, I, it, The idea of a company it also provides new challenges for people and new opportunities as well as
0: a platform to fail you know yeah um I want a support network to do it like you can work together yeah and support each other absolutely
1: <laughs> and you know we the audiences here in utah are just tremendous there's such a this great energy that comes across from our audiences because they want to be here they travel to come here they 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 want to be entertained they want to be moved um So that sort of synergy in Mm -hmm. the moment is really great. And in a play like this, where it's all about that, is sort of twofold. It's great.
0: I'm glad you mentioned the audiences. That was actually my next question is, you know, people... Do you have to be a super Shakespeare aficionado to enjoy or experience Shakespeare in love? No.
1: I mean, that's also another wonderful element about it. And I know a lot of people who are frightened of Shakespeare because they think they're not gonna understand it or they're not it's not gonna you know they're just not gonna be interested in it um, this play is not that at all it's very light on the verse really uh-huh. I mean there is some Shakespeare in this play but it's really about Shakespeare and the sort of contemporary idea of him and putting that into poetry the the, the life the events that are happening around him pouring that into him so I actually think it's a really good introductory way to get into Shakespeare in many ways and, and I also think you know I always say to people that might be afraid of Shakespeare it's like you have to give yourself the first 20 minutes and just let it wash over you I have that sure. I see Shakespeare plays all the time I sit in auditions I I know the pieces that they're doing a lot of times I can quote them but it takes your ear the first 10 minutes in the play to go oh we're speaking verse uh, we're speaking prose and tuning your ear into the play that's just a reality of what this is and many times I find that people when they're afraid of Shakespeare more often than not they're trying to get too much all the time and if you just sort of step away from it and let it wash over you I think you'll see a more success in how it's resonating with you um I often think of it like a foreign film or something uh-huh. like that you know um And and if you're doing Shakespeare well, you know, as far as the acting part of it, it shouldn't be a problem at all because they're basically speaking standard American, you know, contemporary rhythms of speech. It's all, you know, the iambic pentameter is everyday speech, really. Um, That's some technical stuff around that. But, um, yes, I think this play is a great introduction to that world. You don't have to know a lot about Shakespeare. Um, if you do know a lot about Shakespeare, it's even more fun because you're looking for all the little Easter eggs and all these lines that are thrown out that he's peppered into all his different plays and references. But absolutely not. You do not need to be a Shakespeare buff to, to enjoy this play. Um, it's about people and it's about creation and it's about the spirit of impacting change through art, really. Um, and that resonates for anybody, whether they're you know, the greatest aficionado
0: of Shakespeare or the new person coming into it. Perfect. Brian Vaughn, thank you so much for joining us today on the Play On Podcast. Thank you. My pleasure. Come see Shakespeare in Love. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for listening to another episode of the Play On Podcast. Be sure to listen to our past episodes online at bard.org. And remember to tune in every other Friday to listen to your favorite actors, designers, and scholars from the 2017 season and beyond.